Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Sophie. How are you? Really good. How are you? Yeah, good. Good to be here. Great to be here. How's your week been? It's been really shit. Really? No, just thought I'd say it because last week you... I know you've been way too peppy recently. No, it's been good. Something really funny happened. What? Harry and I were in the bath, as you do, and a green tree frog jumped on his face and he... Is that a innuendo for something else? (laughs) (laughs) No, literal green tree frog. You don't go in your vagina a green tree frog? Okay. No, that would be disgusting. (laughs) So he tells me while we're like relaxing because we're trying to have like times where we can just like listen to relaxation music and like switch off every now and then, which is quite nice. Anyway, we were relaxing and he said to me, I cannot even believe this came out of his mouth and it needs to be documented. So I had a thought the other day about a fourth child. Oh, and I went, he had the snip. Yeah. I went, what? And he goes, Oh, like just for a split second, like it was probably five minutes that I sat there and thought, what if we had a fourth? And, you know, if it was a boy, I just thought about it. He goes, I'm I'm not saying we are, but um, I just had that thought. I said, well, we're definitely not, but I cannot believe that you out of all of this, like, because it, it has, it's been such a exhausting time in our lives. Fabulous. And we're so content, but it has been so exhausting. I was like, where are you at in your head to even think about having a fourth? Like it was just the, I don't know, it was really strange. And then he mentioned it to a friend on the weekend and they were like, what? And I was like, it's okay. He's had a vasectomy. It's not going to happen for me unless I go out randomly and Imagine once he's listened to last week's episode with Charlotte the doula, he'll be going in for a reversal of the snip. I know. Well, he got, apparently there's two different types and the one he got was quite permanent. So I don't think we're going to go down that road, but it's really lovely that people and including my husband are all thinking that we're going to have a fourth child because we are most certainly not. That's right. He can have a fourth child with his second wife. Well, he can't because he doesn't have. Oh yeah, he's he's the (laughs) one. But I can. Yeah. Then I won't. Yeah. Anyway, how are you? I'm great. Hi of this week is that my parents are up visiting again. Definitely don't take that for granted because I know there's still a lot of listeners out there that are yet to reunite with their families. Yeah, but they're up and they're up for 10 days. Tia, actually, the day that this comes out will be the day they go home, but that's okay. We won't think about that. Yeah, so that's just been great and I've been really good and actually I woke up this morning and I thought, what on earth am I going to say as my low? I don't have any lows. Like other than getting my period, I'm like, oh, there's no lows because I was like, well, if I don't have my period, it's the opposite, which means I'm pregnant and that would definitely be a lower low than having my period. <laughs> so I was like, there are no lows, but I spoke in my mind too soon. <sighs> so Nick's out fishing this morning. Yes, he got home from being away hunting for wow, two nights last night. you're a really good wife. I know. Can we? Yeah. Let's timestamp this and I will send it to Nick. Yep. 
So he got back home from going hunting for two nights and then told me, oh, the tuna are biting, I need to go. And I will want to put this out there. He does do other things other than just killing animals. And Come also on. your tuna's biting too. <laughs> She's so cringed out right My tuna is biting hard with really sharp teeth. Anyway, so he went fishing and I had to be here by 9. and you 8.30, know, like, but gone. 8.30. Well, but it's half an hour away. Yeah, Goldie's yeah. daycare doesn't open till 8 o'clock. So I was like, you know... I had things set up like a military operation. I had the lunch boxes packed in the car like this morning, not last night because they'd be moldy. <laughs> but, you know, the bags in the car, woke up early, had their breakfast ready to go before they were awake. Like just everything was running like so me. smoothly. I know every school mum out there is going to be like, yeah, welcome to my life every morning of the fucking week. But That's look, good. this is different for me. Everything was running so smoothly. Got the girls dressed like there was no tantrums over what to wear, et cetera, et cetera got them in the car yes killing it got to poppy's daycare first because that one opens up a little bit earlier go to get goldie out of the back to walk poppy into daycare and i'm like oh what's that smell pick goldie up out of her chair there's poo everywhere (gasps) but one of those poos where there's not actually that much in the nappy but there's so much outside of the nappy and you're thinking is your bum hole on your hip? Did like she have how, a wedgie though? She must have had a wedgie in her seat. But you were you just like, how did that poo go on that angle? How? And anyway, I'm like, that's fine. I'll just clean it up. Poppy, just wait in your seat. I'm just going to clean it up. I'll change her nappy in the back of the car. Like in my car, there's normally just packets of wipes everywhere because every time I get into the car, I seem to take like another packet of wipes and pretend that there's 18 other packets in there. Zero. Not even one of those crusty ones yeah, that you the could dried like ones. snap. <laughs> Zero. She has poo like down Where were her leg. Did you, were you outside the daycare? I was in the car park of the oh, daycare centre. Thank goodness center. for that though. Yeah, but I was like literally as I picked her up out of the car, like a nug fell out onto the ground of the car park and I just like propped her up against the side of the car because she can stand while I kind of tried to use two arms to find a packet of wipes and I literally turned around for one second, looked back, she's bending over, playing with her own shit. I'm like, for fuck's sake. So I found just a spare pair of her shorts in the back of the car and I just cleaned up like a little bit of excess with it and then I literally picked Pick her up sideways because I don't want to get my dress covered in poo. Like we're here for the whole day. Like it is I'm brown not, though. <laughs> it is brown. It probably would have blended in. I carry her like sideways into daycare and I'm like, somebody help me. <laughs> and the educator's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. Like no one's actually unwell. There's just a lot of shit happening. And but so hang on, I, you need to just say because you, you posted a story this morning and I haven't stopped laughing about it. I looked like Ryan carrying Marissa in Tijuana out of the alleyway in the OC. But there was more limbs flailing because she wasn't unconscious. She was very much conscious, like, Mum, what the fuck are you doing? But that's what but it reminded you were just, me you of. you were distraught. I imagined that dramatic music. Yeah. In my head, that's what the drama of the situation was. Anyway, so I got in there, cleaned it all up, stole a few wipes so I could clean her car seat, dropped her off to daycare with no pants on. I just said to her daycare teacher, I was like, there's spare clothes in the bag, but I've been through enough already and it's only <laughs> it's only six past eight so I'm done you can have her in a nappy get her dressed if you want to leave her in a nappy I don't care and then yeah 
Here we are. Have you sent a little text to Nick going, hi, hope you're having a really nice morning. No, I'll tell him all about it when yeah, he gets home. good on you. Have I said my low? You haven't said a high or a low. You've just told a story about <laughs> producing more. Okay. All right. Well, we'll keep that as a high because like kudos to him for actually having that thought. That's quite lovely. My low, I've actually been feeling a little off and now I'm laughing because I sound absolutely horrendous. Very nasal. <laughs> I have one functioning nostril and one that's not. So I'm sorry that you're going to have to listen to me so congested. Anyway, let's get into today's episode. This is something that so many of you have been asking for such a long time. This is all about potty training and we can't wait to get all of your questions answered. We absolutely loved recording this, but obviously if you've already been turned off by the poo conversation already, you probably should turn turn us off. (laughs) Or turn it up and get used to it. Enjoy. Tracy, thank you so much for joining us today to talk all things number ones and twos and toilet training. We've had so many people asking us to cover this because it is such a daunting aspect of parenting. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Now we've had so many questions sent in, so we are going to get cracking so that we're not here, you know, all night. So we're going to get started with the first one with generally what is the age children should start toilet training? Well, actually, research done by the University of New South Wales has actually done a study on it, and they found that there's a window of opportunity whereby the parents that started in that window uh, went quicker and had less problems than those starting later. That window is 18 to 24 months, and I guess what they also discovered is Mm. that we're now toilet training a year and a half later than what we were just one generation ago. So I guess as a mum of three myself, when I started out with my first, I had no idea about any of this. And I started after 24 months, admittedly, lots of problems, (laughs) but uh, with the research (laughs) to back it up, it actually helps, I guess, parents, because it is one of the most common questions and the most concerning questions that parents ask, because you can type into Google, when do I start taught training? You'll get 20 different answers. That's so interesting. Yeah, because I toilet trained my older daughter, who's three now, at just over two. And I felt like she was quite early to be getting toilet trained and I felt like she was really ready. So it wasn't a difficult task. So if we are talking earlier than that, how on earth do you get started? Because they're so young still. I should have actually got Yumi, my third child, on this conversation because she started toilet training herself at 18 months. And I thought that was ridiculous. And she is now, and thanks to you and your website, she is 99.9% toilet trained. Well done. So how, what, where, and when do we start toilet training our child? I guess it's a situation that parents like yourself, Sophie, were able to just get started and go so well. Uh, And Jade, you had one that decided to basically get going itself as well. Wait for me, I'm your leader. But not everyone's (laughs) like that. And what generally happens, and that's what the research established, was that the later we leave it, we fall into that developmental phase, the terrible twos, and that tends to be more battle of wills rather than toilet training. So that's why it may work for some that both of your scenarios that you're able to start 
when they're showing these signs of readiness, but in others, it just won't necessarily work for. So going back to your question, there will be definite signs of readiness in some instances. Signs of readiness are things like pulling at the nappy, dislike of wearing the nappy, telling your wheeze or poos before or after the event, taking an interest in you going to the toilet, taking an interest in the toilet or potty themselves, even a poo routine can be all signs of, of readiness. And that is a good indicator that you need to, to get going because sometimes it does go away. And that way, that they're, they're obvious signs for parents. And does a child need to talk to start training? Absolutely not. I guess the, the key element is that, as we would know as parents, is that children have more than one way of communicating. It doesn't have to be verbal. You know when your child is displeased. <laughs> they, they tend to make it quite obvious, where, whether it be through a meltdown or screaming or, or things like that, or if they're hungry or tired. So it's those sort of nonverbal cues that we're able to, to take uh, from understanding our child and move forward. And there's also things with regards to toilet training like literally tapping their bottom or their front, etc. Yeah, taking actually going to the toilet themselves uh, and being. In I the feel toilet. like with Yumi, she stands with her legs spread and she just like goes to squat. So it's her indication of telling me, "Hey, I need to go to the toilet," and that's when I'm like, "Okay, that's our cue." go to the potty or go to the toilet, whichever one you want. But that's my sign of her showing me she needs to go to the toilet. And now she's getting to that age where she can say we, but um, it was a good understanding of knowing that, you know, she doesn't actually speak, but she can communicate in a different way to let me know that she wants to go on the toilet. Absolutely. And parents can stumble upon that sort of scenario. And unfortunately, sometimes they don't realize that their child may be ready, that they are showing them the cues and that can be a challenge as well. But the main, the main issue with just readiness alone and waiting for that for toilet training is that certain personalities, certain children don't actually show you signs of readiness. So parents may find themselves in a situation that their child is nearing three, uh, sometimes four, and they're not actually indicating that they need to go. So that's where can, parents can fall into trouble there. So if your child isn't showing signs of readiness and they can't talk yet, but they're around that 18 to 24 month mark, how do you get started? I guess is the, the very first thing that we teach parents is you absolutely have to lose the nappy. You cannot pull it train with the nappy and that first uh, we feel wet cause and effect is the key to basically physically get going if you're using a cloth nappy obviously that's a different scenario you haven't lost that sensation to go so that really helps and our parents that have used cloth nappies often find they torture a lot easier those use the disposable because it takes the sensation away so you're effectively nappy training them breaking that habit first to then toilet train them. So yeah, very first step is is losing that nappy. And uh, also what we try to help parents with, as we know, every child's different. We actually help parents then dedicate a game plan specific to their child, to their child's age group, even to their bladder size, so that you're actually helping get them there at the right times because you act, it's a habit. We're creating a new habit here, so we actually need to teach them what to do. So dedicating it around that, working out their bladder size, getting them there at the right times, etc., is a great start. Fantastic. And do girls start at a – I know we're talking about that age, but a lot of people ask the question that girls 
girls may start at a different age to boys or is that just something that is thrown in the parenting realm of life? Yeah, I guess it's more personality. I Or say, for instance, in my particular situation, I started taught training with my little girl after two, had heaps of hassles in the beginning and until I changed what I was doing. Three days later, she was done after I basically developed system and wow. started to work around her needs but then with my boys Kai and Jaden uh, well I actually started a lot earlier <laughs> with them so Kai's been pre-trained since five months old and Jaden similar situation so I can't say that boys necessarily in my instance they were certainly easier but it was more what I did not necessarily uh, the gender aspect Is that a little bit of elimination communication that you've done there at five months of age? Yeah, I guess there's that. That's a term that can be used for it. I, I guess, looked at it just simply a case of creating a habit. But from that initial experience with Maya as a toddler, uh, I guess I was able to compare the difference between that. I I read a book called Early Start Potty Training. In the first couple of pages, it talked about a four-month-old down to one nappy a day. And I thought, I'm going to do this. What have I got to lose? And within days, he was doing wheeze in the potty and it took only one month to develop the habit of food control. And to the extent that from nine months, he started to cry out to let me know he needed to go. So he preferred to do it on the potty. And do you find it's beneficial when you're starting potty training to ask the child, do you need to go to the toilet when their nappy is off or are they unable to really comprehend that? That's a really good question, Sophie. Basically, it's one of the key issues that can delay toilet training, that one question. And this is where simply by not knowing and having delays, it's a little bit devastating to tell you the truth when you could have avoided it. And I guess let me explain. If you've had your child in nappies for two, two and a half years of their life, and we're talking disposable nappies, it's taken the sensation away and you've nappy trained them. And then you either remove that or try to start the taught training process and ask them that question, do you need to go? How do they know? It's like giving them a bike and saying, okay, ride for the first time. And we'd never imagine doing that, but that's what you're doing with the taught training process. You need to teach them. It's a habit that we need to develop. And like I said, first, we need to break the actual nappy habit that we've established first and foremost. Also, when we take it a step further, what we're also doing is asking them to do something that they've never done before. And also you've made it even harder for them to work out how to answer that because you put them in a nappy, which has taken that sensation away. So it's made it even harder for them to work out what their body's doing. So just by eliminating do you need to go can save parents a lot of heartache and a lot of delay. And until they can actually properly answer that accurately, proven they can stay clean and dry, then that's when you can start asking that question. You replace it with a refocus, make it fun. Just like you were saying before, Jane, uh, with your little one, it's, you know, quick, basically to the toilet, so you get there first. And if you're getting them there at the right time based on their bladder size, then that's when you can start training them so they can start working out, oh, this is what it feels like to eat. Well, speaking of bladder size, when I'm on the toilet and Yumi has been toilet training herself, she stomps on in and she's like, oh, 
wee. And I'm like, oh, you need to go to the toilet. So I try and cut off my, which is very hard after three kids. <laughs> I get off and then she gets on the toilet so she can go. Cause I'm like, I don't know how long you can hold on, but it's been a few months now. And she's managed to, like, if I say, I know you need to go, can you wait? And we can go to the toilet. And she has, she's been able to, I think it's about one minute that she can hold on now and then go to the toilet. So these little transitions, and I think it's been really lovely because I didn't actually want or condone her potty training. She's just, you know, obviously sees her sisters and she just wants to do it, which is great. But um, I think just watching her develop it and me just be that person that's next to her going, okay, let's do this. And, you know, just do what... I guess read her signs and encourage her with how she feels about the whole situation. Absolutely. And showing through example is the best way you can you can teach a child. So yeah, you, well done to you. That's that's perfect. That's exactly what we we encourage parents to do. And going back to that, the bladder size, yes, you're correct. They get better at it because it's full practice. And the more they work out how to hold on, etc. By us teaching them, by them working it out, feeling what their body's doing, identifying their signals. But really from the beginning, just to give you another example, my sister's twin boys, they started showing signs of readiness at 14 months. And this is where age has nothing to do with readiness. It's just about knowing that, that, that they are signs and, and moving on it. They started showing signs of readiness at 14 months and they were daytime trained 17 months, nighttime trained 18 months. But basically it was a great example because same age but Sebastian went every 45 minutes when they started but Tristan went every four hours so it's literally one had mum's butter size one had dad's <laughs> so basically that that was a great indicator that every child's different you your child potentially can hold on even at that young age and it's simply about it working out what that their bladder size is because if you were to put Tristan a four-hour bladder on the toilet every 20 minutes which is what sometimes people suggest those types of things he literally doesn't need to go so you're wasting everybody's time and you would get toilet refusal. So that, that's where I guess it's so important to dedicate it to your child's needs specifically. So if you've got a child, they're not showing readiness, they can't talk, you go, okay, we're going to start toilet training now. You take the nappy off. Do you generally suggest like, okay, let's have a, a certain accidents. amount of days where we just hang out at home because you're expecting accidents is that what you would generally say absolutely we recommend two to five days at home uh, is a good good scenario simply because leave the home routine changes so you you need to give yourself and your child the opportunity to win by leaving the home you're just running to dance practice swimming all of those sort of things it just makes it more difficult and stressful and your child will pick up on that as well so Basically, having that, that that home time is perfect. And in the first day, particularly, I definitely recommend just monitoring your child and working out what their bladder size is. And that is letting them have accidents. We're not trying to necessarily get them to the, the potty at all at that time. If they want to go, great. But it's more just that easygoing process to start well with the correct foundation. Right. And then you realize, say, for example, okay, she or he is doing a wee every two hours. Tomorrow, I'm going to, at the two hour mark, pop them on the toilet. That's correct. And even it can change. For instance, I would notice, notice some days Kai would go more in the morning than the afternoon. 
So you can adjust mm. accordingly. It's more just about us being aware of our child's signals, like we were saying before, Jane, that type of thing. And Tracy, is this where, like, my daughter drinks a lot of water? Like, she always says water, water, water. So when she does drink, she obviously needs to wee a lot more. I'm not sure if that is in terms of having a bladder that can hold on to a lot or hold on to a lot less. But if I reduced her water intake, and I'm not trying to make her dehydrated, like that might be a habit of hers. She probably doesn't need to drink that much. I just, do you know what I mean? Like I'm just trying to figure out how she can not have to wee so much all day, every day. And you're correct, we absolutely do not want to reduce water. We actually want their bladder to expand and stretch and and that's part of that process of of their development and growing and holding on and learning and things like that. Very much the, the key aspect there is helping them properly release once they're there. What parents can find once they lose the nappy is they they can actually generally one of two things that can go wrong per se is they can go every 15 minutes or so. That necessarily isn't a true indicator of their butter size because that's what they did in the nappy. We didn't teach them to stop, sit, go, pelvic floor, et cetera, the strengthening those muscles. So it just means where they're not properly releasing and pushing out the weight. So we want to help them basically do that on the toilet so that we're getting their full bladder muscles working, pushing it out so that they can fully empty their bladder. The second thing that can potentially happen is the child holds on. And that can be quite stressful for parents in particular on the other end of the scale, simply because we don't want urinary tract infections and, and things like that. So, um, and also from the other side of things, leading to constipation with pooing. So in that instance, it's very much about helping them relax to go as well on, on the toilet so that they can have their muscles released. And is it normal for kids to get the hang of weeing on a toilet prior to pooing? I remember with Poppy, she took to weeing really easily on the toilet, but then would wait until basically nighttime or because at the start she was napping still with a nappy on. She'd wait till we put the nappy on and then she'd poo there. Um, Is that quite normal? We call that the classic poo challenge. We do actually have a whole segment coming up on poo anxiety. So we will get into that, but you can lightly talk about it smart uh, so yeah waiting for that that nappy on uh, to do the poos and the wheeze and that's I guess that's the aspect that I've been alluding to that it's not really toilet training that's battle of wills that's a habit that we need to break the undesirable behavior that's caused from whether it be personality from habit forming whatever and so that's the sort of thing that it's it's you don't address that by looking at the wheeze and poos you address that by okay let's try and develop a a way to work in our child's strengths to help them win so and there's ways around that and very much specific to to that child to give you an example the cause might be because the child is feeling out of control 
So they don't like releasing, so therefore they're, they're wanting to hold on to that poo. Or the cause could be the child is fearful and doesn't like change. So therefore that's causing them to not want to release. So it's getting to that root cause that will help you overcome and ultimately answer that question specifically that you're after. So do you normally say when you start to drop the nap time nappy as well? We recommend that you just purely for convenience, do day first and then move on tonight just for our own sanity. And then mm. that way they've worked out how to hold on, but there's keep the momentum going. There's no reason to wait a year before you then lose that night nappy. And so that would include then you lose the nappy during waking hours while we're conscious. So during day sleep, put the nappy back on again. During night sleep, put the nappy back on. And then once you're ready to start night training, you lose the nappy altogether. Well, at daycare, they have been giving her day naps without a nappy on. And they only recently told me and I was like, oh, you guys have gone there faster than I have. Maybe I should be doing it. But she now takes off her nappy mid-nap. So there's way everywhere. I'm changing so many sheets and blankets every day because she just doesn't want a nappy on. So I guess probably one of the key things that parents can get out of night training, we're looking at it from that perspective, is that the first thing they need to teach their child is to call out for daddy. It's the only way it works. Night training does not work any other way. Oh, that is brilliant. (laughs) Training. A professional has <laughs> told us too. training expert said. And my husband used to say, why are they always calling out to me? I don't know. They must love you more. <laughs> but basically the thing is when they're that little anyway, you don't expect them to take themselves. So whether they're in a cot or in a bed, you'd have that expectation that they would potentially be calling out. But in saying that, again, looking at Sebastian and Tristan's example, when they transitioned to night training, Sebastian, which had the smaller bladder size, had to wake up in order to stay dry, whereas Tristan could sleep through. So they may not need to wake up to go. So there's that that element as well. So having them in a cot, you don't delay taking off the nappy if they're ready, just simply because they're in the cot because there's, there's ways around it. And do you recommend reward-style systems when you're starting toilet training? What we want to try and achieve with regards to our little champions is to literally help them feel like a little champion. Bribery never works. So not mistaking it for bribery, uh, which is, it's, it is subtle. If you do this, I'll give you this. It's more about identifying what they're doing well and reinforcing that behaviour. So even, for example, an accident can be turned into something really positive simply because of how you address that and the the sort of language that you would use, particularly if they've come and told you that in some way that they've wet themselves instead of a situation, you know, being frustrated by that, which, Mm. like I said, certain children particularly uh, can pick up on that and they're quite sensitive. So it's more of the fact of well done for telling mommy, I am so proud of you because you told me. Let's grab a prize and you can sit on the toilet and finish off your week. 
something along those lines ah. so that you're emphasizing the telling and then again questions you know where do we go again that's right in the toilet so you use the accident as an example to be able to teach and guide your child and making it a very positive experience along the way so definitely not bribery but very much uh, emphasizing that that action that you want repeated and I love that you mentioned that when they do have an accident go back to the drawing board so go back to taking them on the toilet even though they've had an accident or the potty so they know that that is where it does belong and hopefully next time they'll get it right absolutely (laughs) and particularly when they if they do a poo seeing it plop into the toilet you know it just really helps with regards to that visualization and and just understanding this isn't scary after all it's okay And do boys have different training methods to girls? Like, you know, I don't know and Sophie doesn't know either. We've both got all girls, so. Yeah, is there a different way? For our boy mum listeners out there. Well, boys can actually be easier to taught train than girls. I know you asked the question before with regards to the differences between boys and girls, but the key aspect is standing and aiming. So with little foot. I was gonna say, do they sit down or they stain? It's a stain. Stain. Yes, I know they do it stains. Um, <laughs> Even at old age. I know that stains. Um, yeah, do they sit down or stand? Well, with little boys, there's actually tools for the process, which why which is why they end up being easier to toilet train in the end, because that you have these dedicated tools for standing and aiming, and you need to start. With the wee man, it is the most brilliant tool. It's like a little urinal that sits on the side of the toilet and uh, we flip flush for parents, but what it does is it puts it at, at their level. And so basically no hands, no still required. Daddy shows, monkey see, monkey do. Going back to that example again, uh, the toilet yum yums, toilet targets that you throw in there, you can try and hit them with your wheeze. It becomes My husband needs that. Well, there's a, and then that leads on to the aiming actually. What they, Then you move on to the wee target, which is hit the spot, Make dumpy dump truck flush goes back to the black spot again. So they're great for small and tall, and very very much it makes the whole process just so much more exciting. Brilliant, How fun! <laughs> yeah, I want to do do so I can do that. Absolutely. So because of those tools, it actually can be easier. Trying to do start a boy standing without those tools, I think, would be quite. Difficult. Uh, having done two boys myself but because as soon as Kai and Jaden could stand I had them up to the wee man and they were using it up until about three and a half because it's purely height and they it's literally racing out again so it appeals to that boy nature which is go 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 yeah and you just don't have accidents then with regards to overshooting if you sit down so that's the difference. And then in general, do you normally recommend that kids start, other than the wee man, um, kids start on a potty or with steps up to a toilet? Is there one that's better than the other to start with? Sure. Look, again, I often answer that question based on three things. You, you need to decide, first of all, your needs. Sometimes a potty is easier if there, some people talk about stairs and upstairs, downstairs and easier to access sometimes when you're doing night training, just having a potty beside the bed makes the process again a bit more familiar and not as scary. So there's your game plan is important, uh, you specifically, mm-hmm. which is then also determined based on your child's age. So for instance, myself starting earlier with boys, it was so much easier to obviously use the potty uh, in the beginning and mm. then transition to the toilet. So that was my consideration. 
The other thing you need to look at is clean out. There's that element of you need to clean out a potty, but you just heading to the toilet. It's uh, obviously you don't require that. That transition, as I mentioned, certain personalities don't like change. So in some instances, it's actually going to be a lot less heartache if you just start straight at the toilet. So there's that, mm-hmm. that consideration as well. And then in saying that, there's certain personalities like your little one, Jade, that they're the sort of ones that want to be like mummy and kick mummy off the toilet. So mm. again, you're, you run with that. That's part of your game plan. That's part of working with your child and working with their needs. I always recommend if your child is nearing to and certainly over two, I would head straight for the toilet. It's just easier. Most they don't they don't tend to like potties at daycare. Everything's toward orientated, leaving the home, that sort of thing. And basically, like I said, consider your child's uh, specific needs. If they're a, more of a fearful child and doesn't like change, then you might want to head straight for the toilet as well. But if you then when you do go to the toilet, you do have to have some form of insert to make the hole smaller so they're not falling in. Don't fall in. Mm. What's a realistic age? to expect your child to be able to wipe for themselves because I know that my daughter tried to trick her daycare that she was completely independent and um, after she did a poo on the toilet that wasn't so great that ended in skitties. Both of you sound like you have our, our outrageous lion personality hear me roar. Oh they're the ones that are quite I've got two of them. <laughs> It is hereditary. She's strong-willed but extremely cautious at the same time. It's really when she's confident in something, it's fine. But then if it's anything outside of that, it's she's very cautious. And and again, it's knowing how to work with that uh, little darling so that you're mm. able to get, like I said, help them win in, in most situations. But that strong-willed child, get out of the way while I'm coming through, is potentially why you guys also had taught training done so well because they are... They, they are the easiest to toilet train if you're cottoned on to their, their nature <laughs> and it is hereditary so someone's to blame. It's very, very much a, about working with that personality so that you can help them move through their, their particular situation. So with regards to independently wiping, the best thing you can do again is show through example. And what I mean by that is very much you want them to be practicing. So I always employed the, the strategy, you start, mummy, finish so that they're actually able to do it and then you're able to make sure we don't have a red bottom at the end of it. Obviously, with little girls, you need to teach the wipe from front to back. Very, very important to help with regards to infection and those sorts of things. But certainly, it comes down to the, I guess, again, if you don't show them, they don't know. So the more that you do it for them, the less they're going to learn. So right from the beginning, even if they're young, plus often toilet paper and playing with that is something that kids love. So it becomes a very positive experience. So you can actually start right from the beginning. And even if it's a token gesture, you start when we finish, you'll get better at it. It's so important to listen and have a refresh on all this because, you know, we have been wiping our own asses for a long time and it's it's hard to, well, you don't realise that what you said at the start, that they don't know that they are holding on or not holding on and you don't really think about that when you're toilet training. So we actually do, as parents go, do you need to go to the toilet? Oh, why did you just wee on the floor? It's like, 
gosh, give them a break. They have no idea what they're doing. We've got a funny situation in our house because Poppy's learning to wipe now and I'm a scruncher and my husband's a folder and she keeps having a go at me for scrunching the toilet paper and I'm like, absolutely not. This is one thing I'm passing on. You are not going to be a folder. And she keeps going, mummy, no, not in a ball like this. And I'm like, no. Well, that comes down to that personality again. As I was saying, she sounds very much, like I said, that courageous line, wise old owl. The the courageous line is the get out of the way world, I'm coming through, strong-willed, I do it my way. Mutiny is never out of the question. But the wise old owl, they're very much the analytical thinkers. They are quite fearful of new things, assess the situation, then proceed. So there is a right and a wrong way to do things. So it'll be a losing battle with regards to they're very also very conscious of of cleanliness and neatness generally. And and the folding is the right way, mum. So according to your little one, so Poppy, you you won't stand a chance. I'm sorry. That's. (laughs) (laughs) What are your thoughts on Mm pull-ups? I know you said to get rid of the nappy altogether when we're starting to train, but if we were to go, like in the car or out on a little adventure but you don't want them to you know have a nappy on is a pull-up a good solution no please 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 if Mm. anything if you get anything out of this for the parents a pull-up is just an overpriced nappy and unfortunately it just is a big challenge at delaying the whole process so when I say you need to lose the nappy it includes that because it's that we feel wet that's important and yes. the pull-up particularly in that example like you said with regards to living the home it just makes us lazy it makes them lazy you're going to be more diligent in getting your child to the toilet if you're out and about with a pair of undies on than if you have a pull-up so it just sends mixed messages as well and that inconsistency is the biggest challenge of toilet training. I found for quite a while when we first toilet trained Poppy that we couldn't actually dress her with undies on. So we couldn't do undies under shorts because she would feel the sensation and I think she thought she had a nappy on and it was only until about like maybe six months or so after she was toilet trained that she could wear undies without having accidents and if she didn't have undies on she like literally barely had an accident is that common running down her leg rather than feeling like it was secure like she barely had an like when we were potty training her she barely had an accident the only times were if we'd put undies on her I think because she got a false sensation of a nappy being there I guess the only challenge with regards to toilet training naked and look there's nothing wrong with it you've just got to look at it from the point of view of the end result so it's just not transferable when we leave the home <laughs> so basically um to go root you don't know how my family lives <laughs> <laughs> to go rooty duty is fine but yeah what happens when we leave the home so that's the, the the challenge that you need to consider and again you can be setting yourself up for another habit that you have to break later on some parents throughout the years have discussed that same situation that you've been through and look you work with your child accordingly there would have been potentially ways around that that you could have looked at and again even sounding like if she was a wise old owl giving her information talking about it explaining they're very much about that new structure this new routine that they have to do she would have been able to process 
um, and help that blood-brain connection potentially. So like I said, there's different ways that we could have gone about that to help that. You obviously move through it anyway through trial and error. But yeah, basically we want to avoid creating a habit that is going to be a problematic later on. Well, while we're on the topic of out of the house, we've got my child is toilet trained at home, but what to do when we are out and about? It strikes fear in parents' heart that leaving the home. It's more us, isn't it? it? It really is more our go, oh, we have to clean this up or we have to do this or we have to do that. Yeah, it comes down to it's just an accident. And, you know, they could be crashing the car in a few years' time. There's bigger things that we need to worry about. But it's very much about, again, having the right tools for the job so that you as a parent, that we feel comfortable about leaving the home. And so we don't transfer that stress onto our children because then they can identify, oh my goodness, something's wrong here and create a bit more emotional distress, which then can continue on the the problem. So having, uh, we have, for instance, pants with a waterproof layer. We have potette pluses. They're the two-in-one potty slash insert. Many a time I've been side of the road, back of the station wagon, one of the kids doing a wee or a poo in the, in the potette. So you're prepared no matter what. The potty when there is no toilet and an insert when there is. Plastic bag bin. And the big kid pants with a waterproof layer. So they then help you not put the nappy on because if they do have an accident when they're out and about, it's not a puddle on the floor. So it is very much about us. So on a plane, what's this insert business? Not that I'm going anywhere, but like what would you put just in case, you know, they have to go to the toilet and they won't hold on? Yeah, exactly. So again, you'll be prepared with the potette so that you can actually take them to the toilet, use it as an insert so that they can put it over the toilet just like at home and the hole smaller so they actually can go. On a plane scenario, to, there is compromises. You might want to be in a situation where you put a pair of undies underneath a nappy so they still feel wet but you're safe. Yeah. Um, so if it's a big long trip. So, you know, there's no black and white or I think we try to, we beat ourselves up a bit too much sometimes and and it's a case of as parents, we just need to, I guess, know the foundation and make decisions around that that will help our child and and help us win as well in the end. What about uh, Poppy loves nothing more than a bush wee, (laughs) just like going on the grass somewhere. Should we be discouraging that and they should hold on to the toilet or asking for a friend? Again, look, the benefit of of with boys scanning is they get to do wee-wees like that and they can water the plants and and things like that. And and doing the bush wee is absolutely fine. Again, the only challenge is it may require an explanation that we can't do this at kindy. So, you know, that's the sort of thing that you just don't want to set up a habit that someone pulls down their dacks and they're they're off and away in in the middle of the the playground in the shopping center so or there's that mummy why aren't you doing a bush wee here too I'm like "Eh, it's a little bit more frowned upon when I do it at the park (laughs) why are some children good at home but not at daycare when they're toilet training the the challenge with daycare is obviously inconsistency everything changes uh in saying that again that your your question pertains off to actually the different personalities so certain children say for instance the cheeky monkey love the social event so when 
you you put a cheeky monkey into a situation where there's a, a whole heap of people involved and everyone's watching and this is great look at me and we're all we're, we're making a situation where we're all trampsing off to the toilet at childcare. so the whole peer really does help in a lot of situations then there's the certain personalities that actually prefer space and quiet and they don't like other people around so that then the daycare environment may not work for them for that for those reasons so this is where again it's about adapting your methods your language how you go about it so that you can help that more fearful child adapt to that environment this is the child that it comes naturally to. What are you laughing oh, about? I laughed at when I was like helping or assisting Yumi with training at the start and I would literally sit in front of her at the potty like like not even 30 centimetres close to her face going, yeah, just push, yeah, like that. That's it, like mm, make that sound. And then I thought imagine her trying to do a poo and her mother looking at her so closely <laughs> while she's trying to do that. I couldn't think of anything worse. Like I backed it up a little bit. I was like, okay, you need to have space. And now when I look at her, I, I kind of like look out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, oh, okay, you are you have some private time. You have some pri- – mummy's not looking so she knows that she's got some you know privacy and that's exactly it identifying those those situations I've had a a mum literally have that similar sort of story she was a very vivacious cheeky monkey lots of fun very loud and uh, she had a a 14 month old that she was on the potty who was the opposite the wise old owl was quite fearful and uh, like I said doesn't like change and when the 14 month old did a wee on the potty the mum couldn't help herself she squealed at the top of her lungs and was so excited and the 40 month looked at her and burst into tears because that wasn't what she needed <laughs> so that, that's why mum needed to tone it down a bit to be able to help put that wee dance yes. on mute <laughs> that's right and there's ways around that instead of the intense stare as well jade that you can actually help them to push things like blowing bubbles on the potty or the toilet blowing through a straw it naturally pushes your pelvic floor muscles you've heard you give laugh till you cry you know that sort of thing tickle monster all those things lots of laughing can help actually work that pelvic floor to fully empty the bladder as well well I'm very impressed that she's doing number twos on the toilet and she hasn't had any issues because I know that some of like my other two children have had poo issues. So let's get on to that topic because the amount of questions that rolled in around poo anxiety was just absolutely, well, we could do a whole other podcast just on poo anxiety, but we won't. So let's start on what is poo anxiety and why does this happen in our children? The poo challenge, as I call it, because I like to look at it as not necessarily a problem. We can overcome this. We, We can do it together. Often defined as running away and hiding to poo, wanting the nappy back onto poo, withholding poo, basically that anxiety and refusal around pooing on the toilet. And the devastating thing, we've been doing this for over 12 years now. So this is the main problem that we help parents with. And if that helps our parents out there who are going through it, it's so unfortunately very, very common. And this is why my goal very specifically is prevention rather than a cure to start with. If we can actually even not even have a poo challenge to start with, that's far better than having to try and work out how to overcome it, a lot less tears. The prevention part of it, and this is where I guess it seems so simple that parents often don't believe it, is you need to start early. 
that's it. Start early. The essence of going back to that research, that 18 to 24 months, what they discovered was that parents taught training after two were experiencing that terrible two battle of wills. And the poo challenge was prolific in those scenarios. I do workshops and every time I do the survey with parents that are having the poo challenge, they're all over two. It's 100%. So it's that definite. So that starting before we reach that uh, that battle of will stage just makes your life so much easier. And basically your child doesn't know any different in the end as well. But my fear would be if you're not dealing with the challenge after two, they're so young that you're just dealing with it on the floor. Are you not? Yes, you are. I can tell you. It's don't everywhere. underestimate your child. It comes back to if you don't show them, they don't know. Kai was boo trained at five months. I remember at the time going, I cannot be flicking this every time. Uh, he's he's got it and uh, when he started dating but you're a poo expert can you come over and help out oh okay okay, this is all starting this is all the beginning process i literally just finished toilet training maya and had seven months we too could be poo experts by the end of this i know this is what lit her poo fire (laughs) (laughs) so that was that was myself just literally going and let's give this a go and you don't have to start at four months but what i'm saying is that the earlier you start, the habit is established, the good habit of sitting. And this is what Kai, why he was choosing the potty even at that young age, because it's more comfortable. It's sitting knees up, mm. correct position to go. It's more comfortable and your body responds accordingly. So we teach our toddlers to stand at poo. We teach them that dependency on that nappy to hold their poo close. We, we, these are the things that we're doing by holding on to that nappy longer and longer. And so this is where that you break that habit earlier is why you have that ability to have prevention. There is a thing about kids wanting to like stand in a creepy little corner and just like pretend that you can't mm-hmm. see them and do a poo and a nappy. I mean, even while that's you- probably the same child that doesn't want your face 30 centimeters away from her <laughs> as she tries to poo. Right. But even when she has knickers on, she like often goes near the fireplace, like behind it. And I'm like, Yumi, do you need to go to the toilet? And she's like, and I'm like, you do, let's go. And that's when I actually do take her to the toilet, the actual toilet. And I create games. So she's not actually thinking about going, but because I'm distracting her mentally, which I don't know, you tell me that's maybe not a good thing to do. Uh, maybe she should be focusing you're on You're a taught training expert and you don't even know it. I oh. love how you're like psychoanalyzing yourself Podcaster, as you speak. You're like toilet training you, expert. You're like midway through a sentence like, and I should not be <laughs> doing this. <laughs> and look, and that's why it's working. Refocus, make it fun hmm. is the, the key start to the cure. And so basically working with your child, we take it a step further to help parents. Like I said, let's first out find out why we're doing this in in the first place so that we can address that. Is it fear? Is it control? Is it laziness? Because laziness is a battle of wills. Not caring if they're wet or dirty is a battle of wills. And that's the hardest child Mm. to draw train and one of the main contenders of the boot challenge. So basically parents are pulling their hair out because they're not, how do you encourage a child that doesn't want to be motivated, is is unmotivated to, to go in the first place because thank you very much, mum and dad, for showing me how to go on the nappy. This is great. I don't even have to move. 
So that that's that personality. They don't care. Mm. So what do you do? <laughs> so again, it's the individual strategies for each child specific to them. Refocus, make it fun date is very much the overall. And so that, you know, our, our taught yum yums, they're fantastic for that. A food for Mr. Toilet that you can, do you want to throw the orange yum yum or the yellow yum yum in your choice, darling? Yeah. And then you bomb it with your poo poo. So we're not, it's not about pooing, it's about bombing Sounds the yum yum <laughs> with your poo poos. But the, the children love it. Children love it. They love disgusting yeah, stuff. Yeah, they're sickos. So with regards to how you address the lazy child, that doesn't care the key strategy there is literally accidents hard work toilet easy because they'll choose the easy path every time so you change your strategy the the strategy with the wise old owl who's too scared to even get to the toilet in the first place is very much about information structure routine and space so you develop your strategy. The strategies are based around that. The helping your, your strong will control the child that has uh, the feeling out of control is to give them the illusion of control, the courageous line. So you do it through choices, big, big girl winning, miss out. Everything is so mental, isn't it? It's all Well, that's what I'm saying. It's very rarely we improves. It's very much that battle of wills. But Mm. the best thing about it is once you understand what makes your child tick, it actually helps with other things as well. And what are your uh, toilet training tips for a child that has a history of constipation? Because I couldn't imagine how to handle that one. With constipation, you absolutely have to get that into first. You need to go to your local GP and make sure that it's under control, that they have the right medication. If they need to go on medication, you cannot taught train while your child's constipated. And that often then also uh, makes it challenging for wetting as well with the pressure it's putting on the bladder. So basically you need to address that first. And the challenge with constipation is often it's the mental, the behavior aspect that's not always um, sometimes it absolutely is a physical part of it but what we discover is that often it's a mental situation because it hurt once it's going to hurt again I, therefore they hold on and the vicious constipation cycle continues so you can't address it just simply with medication that's when you've got to look at okay well how do we help our, our little girl or little boy win it's almost like that you know, that first poo after birth, your mental state is like, oh no, I cannot do this. And you have to psych yourself up to be able to do it. And when you do it, you're like, oh. Yeah, I didn't, mine were nowhere near as bad as expected. I know, but everyone has this like mentality that you were going to. I was like, no, I'm holding on for years. I'm holding on for years. You can't make me do this. Overnight training. Because we mentioned that you would start off with day training, then move on to the afternoon or whatever naps they are, removing the nappy. And then how do we get and what do we do with overnight? Because I feel like I'm there. Congratulations. Well done. Well, I'm still there. Poppy's been toilet trained for a year, but I'm too scared to take a nighttime nappy off. They all do things at different times. And she wakes up with it really Mm. full. Look, again, it can be catch-22. You need to lose that nappy in order for them to feel wet and uncomfortable in order for them to wake up to go. So this is where you just got to rip the band off and yes look there's absolute signs of readiness for night training uh obviously waking up with a dry nappy is one of them but 
you can't necessarily always wait for that to help them stay dry. So many times parents, as soon as, soon as they've lost the nappy, their child where it was full is now dry. The thing is, though, there are challenges with night training that do hinder the process. And these are uncontrollable factors that, yeah, literally your child does not have control over. So if those are present, that's where parents do have a few more challenges and they they stem around hereditary, deep sleep, heavy wetting. So that that's why a lot of times parents can struggle with that situation. Sometimes isn't as simple as just losing that nappy and then your child is dry. So how long should I wait? Can I wait another six months or if she's taking her nappy off mid-sleep, it's an indication that she really doesn't want to be wet anymore, even though She's got a nappy on. Is this overnight? Yeah, or? overnight. I think you already know the answer to that one, Jay. <laughs> I know. I was just dreading it. But I am. Do you know what? Since you said that, Tracy, I'm going to put a potty in her room and then it's like, you know, I can if she yells out for daddy 100%. <laughs> great idea. Um, we can pop her on the potty when she needs to and then pop her back into bed. There is another thing that I had with the other two girls and I'm sure there's a lot of other brands and I'll link the brands if I can remember it, but I still have two of these sheets. It's called like the Midnight. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, basically it's a a really nice printed piece of material that is pee proof and you tuck it in over the top of your sheet so you know they're going to weigh on it but it looks nice and it feels nice and then all you have to do is take that one off in the middle of the night and then pop another one on or I think you get a pack or whatever but I thought that was a really good way instead of tearing all these sheets off you know and getting everything it's just not what you want to do at 2am you just want a quick okay there's an incident let's get rid of it and then let's go you've again. touched on it perfectly there's three things you need that we help parents with the night training number one is the correct game plan to start with you can practice your tennis mm-hmm. serve over and over and over again and never get good at it if you if you don't know what you're doing. The second one is managing wetness, so our sanity throughout the whole process. And the third is motivation. So going back to the game plan, again, knowing what you've got to achieve here is the first step because the one thing about night training is you can't do it for your child. Parents that wake the child up in the middle of the night are actually doing them a disservice. They may stay temporarily dry, but it's not a long-term solution. They have to be able to work that out themselves. And so, and because it's an internal thing, your focus is that bladder-brain connection. Hey, there's a full bladder down here. Hold on or get up and go. So that's your game plan. That's your goal to help your child stay dry throughout the night. And so, there's, again, there's various things that can help with regards to that. What we try to do is help parents, again, have that dedicated approach to their child to help that blood-brain connection. So a cheeky monkey's uh, ideal to help with that blood-brain connection is to make it an adventure. Uh, so you, you make sure you have your night light on and you, you cut out their footprints and or fairy dust and follow the fairy dust to the toilet. Or And if they're thinking about, the fairy dust or the following their footprints and the or the nightlight or whatever, then that's helping that connection for for staying dry. A, a courageous line, strong little child would be wanting to pack the backpack and getting it ready and doing it all themselves and, and having their torch inside and and you know 
it's having it beside my backpack, beside the bed. This is that. This is what we're using for night training. So again, it's triggering, putting to the conscious brain for the subconscious to trigger while they're asleep, particularly alluding to the, the fun element. A wise old owl absolutely would want, they want the gory details. They want to see what a bladder looks like. They want to see what a brain looks like. You've got to do an internet search and show them the connection, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. So that's what they will take out of it. So you, you dedicate your game plan around that bladder brain connection connection to, to help them. Managing wetness is, like you said, we have waterproof sheet protectors that go on top of the sheets. A mattress protector only protects the mattress, not your sanity. And so what it does is if they have an accident at 2 a.m. in the morning, because it's always 2 a.m. in the morning if your child's going to do anything, you just literally rip that off and you keep going. So washing machine dryer. So that's what we have available for parents. And then your big kid pants with a waterproof layer, they also help catch that one wee so where we feel wet as well. And then the motivation is very much about emphasising, again, the blood-brain connection through having rewards and things like that in the morning. But again, because there are uncontrollable factors, you've got to reward baby steps. If your child has slept through all the while, but this time has woken up wet, that's something to celebrate because they haven't slept through. That's one step forward to staying dry. So you've got to look mm. at it from that perspective and it changes our perspective as well as parents to know that, hey, we're, we are getting somewhere and it's not just all wet nights. Just when you think you're getting a full night's sleep, I hey? know, I know. you got to do that, but it's all worth it, isn't it? Absolutely. It is. So we have one final question because there were a few of these. Is it common that kids will become fully potty trained or toilet trained and then revert back to having lots of accidents again? And what can we do if this does happen? I think it's more, it's not uncommon rather than common, but basically any time there is like a reversal, they're starting, we're dry and starting back wetting again. Uh, there can be just simple things to first identify. It could be a case of a change, a new baby, a change in environment, moving home. There can be major things, but it can also just be something really simple that the child has gotten into their head that stopping them from from staying dry because you just don't know what's what's going on often and just to give you one example of that uh, at a home visit that I did uh, recently the little girl was absolutely petrified of putting the the nappy on this wasn't a reversal it was just simply the mum could not get her to remove the nappy at all complete and utter meltdown so basically we went through within 45 minutes to being there we had the nappy off then the next step obviously is the, the undies and absolute meltdown of putting the undies on. Then she kept saying, I don't want to wet the undies. I don't want to wet the undies. But wise old owl needed information. So basically I grabbed a pair of underpants and I wet them underneath the tap. And then we talked about it and said, well, this is, we, we don't want Because saying to her, we don't need to wet, we don't wet the undies. We don't want to wet the undies. wasn't sinking in. She didn't click. So she basically felt the wet. We spoke about wet and dry. So we don't want this to be wet. We want to keep our undies dry. Instantly she put the undies on. So this is what I mean. You just don't know what is going on in their head. So it's very important. Um, we may not ever discover that, but the key aspect to overcoming our regression is simply going back to the basics. And particularly, again, what we teach parents is to actually, just like I gave that example with the YSL Dow, you provide what they need. That little girl needed information. So that helped her move through the, the challenge that she was going through and it was very real to her. 
but it's very much about helping to work through that um, using those strategies. And for anyone who would like to know more about the structure and more information on how to potty train their child, what do you offer on your website? Well, our, our website, pottytraining.com.au, is very much about training the trainers. Toilet training is about us, which should make us feel good because we have full control over us. You cannot force anyone to wee or poo. It makes it worse in the end. So it's about changing ourselves to suit our child. So our program that we have, we call it the Know Your Child program, it's very much about helping parents work out their child's personality. You do a personality test. You work out whatever, like I've been mentioning, a courageous lion, a lovable lamb, a cheeky monkey, a wise old owl. And from there, you're able to then base your foundation, your game plan around overcoming the poo challenge or starting and finishing well because you're now understanding what makes your child tick. And for your child, it's very much about what you've done so well, Jade. It's about refocus, make it fun. And so they play the toilet game. And that's basically wrapped up in our ultimate toilet training system so that they're able to fun for the child, how for, for mum and dad, and navigate through the, the process so that toilet training can actually be fun. So with those elements and like when you go and do the personality test and then it will go, well, this is what your child is more so like, then will it have information on a structure of the right way to toilet train that type of child? Absolutely. So we run through in a nutshell what parents often find in the situation if they have a, a wise old owl, which was Maya, my first, they have problems even getting their child to the toilet in the first place because they're fearful it's new it's just something different so their game plan is around well first we've got to get them to the toilet <laughs> and then often like I said removing the nappy putting on underpants these are all new things and so very much by using that information structure and routine and space we give you strategies applicable to that so that using the right language for your child if you have a strong-willed child the courageous lion often they have control issues so they hold on and if you're telling them what to do, they also refuse. So <laughs> basically, it's around choices, big girl winning, miss out. So examples like instead of do you need to go, it's do you want to throw the orange yum yum in or the yellow? Your choice, darling. Refocus, make it fun, plus with a choice. Either way, do you want mummy to pull your pants down or you do it? Your choice, darling. Either way, they're on the toilet. So it's the, you use those types of strategies to help work with that child. With regards to the cheeky monkey, it's all about fun. So lots of praise, attention, making it a potty party, literally, that sort of thing. That's calling Nana, videotaping. They love it. And so my second daughter, she is nearly 14 months. So would it be worthwhile me jumping on and working out what character type she is so that then I know well in advance what the best types mm. of approaches could be. Absolutely. This is where I'm saying while the window of opportunity is that research showed was that 18 to 24 months. But maybe it's going to be easier for you when you do it. No, and look, look, with Poppy, it was easy. I It was never a difficult thing, but you know when you're just like, oh gosh, it's just another thing to take on. But if it if it if that's happen. the window of opportunity, then I'm yeah. all and for look, it. we tend to have our opposites. So you potentially where Poppy was the I do it, uh, get out of the way world. You may not have learned as much from that. We learn more from our adversities. <laughs> so the the challenge lies in the fact that if you have a child now that's the opposite to Poppy could be the lovable lamb cheeky monkey lovable lamb she's a cheeky monkey it could be yeah. that combination 
then you've got to employ different strategies that she's going to relate to. Well, life's all about learning, isn't exactly. it? Oh, you could be in the same story as my sister, start at 14 months, daytime train 17 months, night train 18 months. She's going to be toilet trained by the time this podcast goes to air. <laughs> well, you don't have too many expectations. What do we talk about? <laughs> expectations, Sophie? Yeah, no, Lower I them. was totally kidding. I'm not. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for coming on and letting us know how we can get our shit together so our children can get their shit together. We appreciate it more than you know. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Thanks, Tracy. It was so nice to meet you. Thanks a lot. Good luck with your tour training. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.